Welcome to Unlearning. I'm Roxy and I'm from the Philippines. Join Erica and I as we discuss how to unlearn toxic and self-limiting beliefs, how we free ourselves from the opinions of others and go for what we really want. Each week we discuss issues that we've gone through or that our guests have gone through in the context of an Asian society. So happy to have you here. Tag us at Unlearning With Us if you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning. Uh, Roxy and I have known each other since 2014. Um, and comparing to most of our friendships, this probably might not seem a long time. However, in the past seven years until today, we've been in each other's most important life moments from marriage, breakups, family, and friendship drama, business, highs and lows, career changes, all of those nice things. Mm-hmm. In these moments, there is one thing I've always admired about Roxy. She always had the incredible skill of being able to not only manage her emotions, but constantly self-reflect almost instantly, which will be our topic for today, topic of our conversation for today. Oh my um, God, you're going to make me cry. I'll talk about your family a lot. <laughs> no, with, with the, with the um, compliment. Ah, uh, okay. Cry now then. Okay. Um, so just to start it, um, just to start the conversation, like I personally, I remember being tough all the time growing up because I was bullied a lot. So for me, fighting back verbally and physically was a way for me to cope arguments and feelings or misunderstandings. So Mm -hmm. for you growing up, how did you address arguments and misunderstandings, most especially at a young age? Um, I mean, did I fight a lot of people at a young age? That's the first question. I feel like in school, (laughs) most people fought me. So I never really like started anything. Um, And in terms of how I'd handle it, I think I really modeled after my mom. So she doesn't really um, react or shout or um, get upset with anything or anyone for that matter. Like it's rare that you see her blow up. So with people that have started stuff with me in school, like you dated my boyfriend, even though we already broke up. And we weren't even friends, you know, things like that. Like, I would just stay silent and be confused, um, but never really say anything. Um, And I think at home, it was also very similar. I just really listen, process it myself, and I never really reacted or shouted, yeah, at anyone. Um, I think the most open conversation I had was probably with my mom um, because she was protective and wouldn't allow me to do anything. So I'd always just question like, why, you know, that doesn't make sense, things like that. But I don't think it ever went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way I am now, and you know this, me being very monotonous with my <laughs> emotions uh, at least when I express them that, that's exactly how it was before I think and the, the only moment that I remember standing up for someone was when my cousin was bullied and then I just um, 
st- yeah, got mad at this person, but my mad was not scary. <laughs> what was scary for you? But you know, my mad was just like, um, <laughs> you better not go near my cousin again. And that was it. I, I don't like. I don't know. I don't think I'm scary at all. I think you're chill, which I now see is also how you treated your bullies growing growing up. Did you ever feel that you were a doormat in that sense? Or for you, that was your way of mm. treating it, like ignoring it and stuff? Not a doormat. I think it was like just not necessary to engage. So <laughs> that was more my mindset. Like, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? And when it wasn't worth it, which was most of the time, I wouldn't engage because there are really only a few fights worth fighting for. And those, those I would talk about or speak up. Um, but yeah, I think most of the time, even in my current you know, relationship, I don't engage. <laughs> <laughs> Only the, only to the ones that actually matter. Yeah, like when it's um, when when it's past a limit, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and at home, like also we've we've also been talking about it. Like we were both uh, brought up with an Asian kind of culture. How mm. were emotions um, brought up, or was it even brought up uh, in your household? And how were arguments handled from in your family? Um, between my mom and I, I think we were always very open between my siblings and I as well. But I think for, you know, most of the other times it was largely like shouting first and the message second. So I would say that some other members of my family don't have the most like calm demeanor when they're upset about something and sometimes they talk about something completely unrelated um yeah so that's how it probably went and um you also had i mean i mentioned it a while ago you had your fair share of drama Mm -hmm. (laughs) may it be from family relationships or career Mm -hmm. like what would you say is your number one or the the biggest emotional struggle you experienced and how did you deal with that? Mm, I would say like the the time that I remember crying the longest and the most was probably still when I broke up with my ex-boyfriend um, after I moved to the Netherlands um, just because I don't know like I was there alone I didn't know anyone no friends to run to I was six hours apart from everyone in the Philippines. So I think just that whole context of being alone and not having really literally anyone to go to made it really difficult. Because every every other situation that I've been in, I could call someone or I kind of had someone who knew my situation or validated my situation. But yeah, having to deal with something all by yourself is, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the most challenging. And how did you, yeah, kind of what actions or steps did you had to go through or do to actually help you um, get over that struggle? Um, I yourself? think 
it was definitely a lot of this keeping myself busy that was definitely something that i remember and i would um yeah watch <laughs> until i fall asleep so that i'm not thinking about it or i would meet up with different classmates i mean i i had classmates you know but i didn't feel comfortable crying to everyone in class so um it it was a lot of that and at the end of the day what really helped me was going back to the philippines because it was a huge distraction from the reality and plus everyone that i was really close to was back home so it was almost magic like one month being home and then i was fine <laughs> um but i would say it's it's definitely a lot of like yeah keeping myself busy and productive yeah. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Like I think most especially in every breakup it's really focusing on what um on yourself and what you can improve on yourself or just focusing generally um yeah with your life. Um yeah, I didn't really I didn't really uh, date um no immediately oh. after. No, you know I was in the, in Europe in the throng of a lot of men possible <laughs> men but I you know held my shit together and did not do anything well also it wasn't like a a real choice it's not like i had people lining up outside but <laughs> <laughs> but you know i yeah but was that a, a conscious decision or was it more of you just didn't have time for it or what um i think it was both it it was i it was a conscious decision like i didn't just want to get into another relationship again because before that i was a serial monogamist so i had three relationships one after the other um so that was one reason for sure but the other reason was yeah i didn't really also meet someone that was interesting so i mean yeah and tinder wasn't a thing back then um so Was it not for sure there was like okay cupid and shit. Yeah, but it wasn't the thing natural. Yeah, okay. But okay cupid is like for old people. Joke. No, just kidding. Just not for me. It is, yeah, for sure. Um and we we talk about also self-awareness a lot in our podcast and mm-hmm. it's a great start and understanding our own needs our life plans which will then translate in our careers and relationships so yeah like for you when did you realize that being self aware is actually a thing and how was that journey i think it it was i was always like that it wasn't like something i learned to be honest i i was always like thinking okay even i was also analyzing my classmates like oh she is the child of divorce like how did that impact her life or like with my you know family as well like if i would go through issues i would also ask myself um why i act a certain way um maybe maybe it also had something to do with the fact that my mom always like There was a lot of nonverbal communication in my family so it was up to me to understand where other people were coming from um without confronting or asking what what that was 
you know. So if I had to figure a lot of things out myself because of the non-confrontational nature, then I was also always trained to understand other people and empathize with other people more than, um, let's say, fight back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really interesting in general that you, that there, that there was not a lot of conversation like within your family, and but mm-hmm. you kind of went the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. Wh- how? Wh- why do you think that happened? Like, was there a trigger in your brain that said, "I don't want to be that"? And then, no, what do you mean went the opposite way? Like, instead of being quiet and nonverbal and non-confrontational. You're actually a very communicative person. Like you communicate your thoughts mm. compared to I don't know how you're explaining your family. So mm. I was just wondering, like, how did that happen? Did something happen that triggered that kind of shift in your brain that says, No, I'm gonna communicate? Um, no, back I mean back then when I was younger, I definitely did not communicate to my family what my thought processes were especially I mean to my mom yes but to everyone else like I just kind of took it in and like I said understood things more from their perspective like they probably acted this way because their childhood was also difficult you know so there was a lot of that um that kind of mentality and I only really recently started being able to answer back and never in a mean way but just like to set some boundaries and that probably just happened in the last I don't know two two years three years wherein I was a lot more firm um, with things that I wasn't okay with especially when it came to like yeah my the the rest of my family like that that doesn't really um communicate (laughs) so everyone except my mom joke (laughs) Um, yeah but when you establish that boundaries like how did you know that those were your boundaries then if you didn't grow up with that kind of um, culture of setting boundaries how did I know that those were my boundaries later on yeah yeah oh it would just be case-to-case basis you know like if they say something I don't like and now that I've also developed a better sense of self-security and awareness, I now know, okay, that I can confidently say this is not okay. Why? Without asserting any form of blame towards them so that they also don't feel like they're being attacked. So I think it was also like a process to, yeah, be able to learn how to say things in a still very nice, non-blaming way. Um, even even when I'm deep inside, super frustrated. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you had to kind of know that for yourself first to be sure that you know who you are and what you want before you can communicate that to your family. Oh, yeah. Um, knowing myself, but also knowing what to say, I think. And having enough confidence in what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that's another thing because I mean, typical Asian, you know, um, comment would also be like, don't answer back. That's rude, especially when you just argue. So the default was to not argue. And 
you know, then I think I've, I've managed now to find a middle ground where it's not arguing. I'm saying how I feel, but it's not like, you know, con- confrontational or mean yeah. or, yeah, like the, the person feels that I'm also empathizing. Yeah. But this is also not super common. Like, I think having that confidence to speak up Mm-hmm. May it may it be in the nicest way or in a mean way actually. It's not super common in, in the Philippines or at least in the Asian culture. Mm-hmm. Like how what kind of thoughts or like thought process does a person have to go through to kind of build that confidence to speak up? Mm-hmm. I think I think first and foremost it's really developing self-esteem. And knowing that you trust yourself um, above everyone else. And if you don't trust yourself, then you might just give in to what, for example, something fucked up that other people say. Because you're like, oh, okay, maybe I can just let it go, you know. Um, but if you, if you do really strongly believe in your sense of self, that's a huge thing. And that's probably like the... Um, biggest you know factor or step that is necessary to do something like that because i i see way too many people um that when their parents say something they just tend to like cower down and be like okay sure um or just not engage anymore which used to be me too you know because it's just tiring to constantly engage. It's tiring to argue, especially when you just have very different opinions. Um, but I think it, it went, it, it, ha- it was like twofold, you know. I developed a sense of self-esteem in myself, but I also developed, or my, my family also developed a sense of respect for me, which they might not have had before when I was younger because, you know, I was 14 and whatever, like, I don't, I'm not saying don't trust a 14 year old, but I think from their perspective, like I was still young, not capable, you know, just like, um, yeah, again, very typical. Um, I'm older. I know better perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. I think also, I mean, the way I, uh, the way I see it as well, like if you kind of, build that self-confidence and then kind of show that to your family mm-hmm. i think they will also kind of return the favor and be like oh she's confident about what she's saying so it might be true what she's saying and i want to trust her yeah and for me that it, it was like a 180 shift the moment i moved out and when i no longer when they could see that i could fend for myself and literally fend everything for myself i think that also you know caused them to let go a lot more and um yeah it it was i think that was the also one big turning point yeah yeah could imagine yeah it's hard to get out of our parents home um (laughs) and and just going back to self-esteem and building that Mm -hmm. out like what are your daily like self validations um, that help you like continuously understand um, yourself even more? 
But you know, it's so natural that I really just ask myself, especially if I go through a huge trauma or a huge emotional moment, I always ask myself, like, why did I react that way? It's, I never ask, like, mm-hmm. why did the other person do that to me? It's always like, why did I react that way? So I, you know, become accountable for my feelings. And in those times of crisis, when you kind of um, get to know your deepest insecurities, that yeah. I think that also helps you establish like um, better self-esteem and confidence because you're, yeah, you're really getting to know yourself a lot more. You're not just, you know, asking yourself the nice questions and the nice moments, but really in the like moments where you're feeling like total shit and no one, you know, no one is there to pull you out or when you're overthinking. Like, I think um, those are really the moments that it becomes important to ask questions like this. Yeah. And how do you balance that with self-blame? Because it's also very close Mm -hmm. to how did I react? Why did I react that way versus, versus, um, oh my God, I'm shit. You know, Mm -hmm. how do you kind of balance that in your head? I think when I was a, when I was younger, I also definitely had a lot of self blame, like oh why am I overreacting? I shouldn't react that way. I'm so, um, you know, yeah, I'm so unreasonable, etc. And then I would, it, it's just a cycle, basically. Um, I think like balancing it now probably has a lot to do with the fact that I have also confidence in my ability to rationalize things because whenever I um, feel bad about something, I know that there's a a reason for it. And usually I can verbalize immediately what that is. Like um, that's, that's also a skill that I think was really important to develop because if you're angry and you're frustrated and you don't know why, then it's also hard for you to, um, decode or diagnose what you need to do but usually i know exactly what what happened and why why i feel that way so um then then it also allows me to kind of step back from the situation and know that it wasn't necessarily me or me being bad but just my reaction to the external world you know and i can't i can't control that i can't help how i react to certain things or certain people so um yeah i think it was a lot of that yeah yeah i just feel like you're you're way more mature than people our age you know like (laughs) need to need to tone it down girl (laughs) i feel like you were this person when you're 14 like what the fuck i mean i also had i also had a lot of i always tell people like it's not like i I don't know. It's not like I became, went from super immature to super wise um, really quick. You know, I, I also had a lot of heartbreaks, traumatizing experiences at a very young age. Not, not just like at home, but also, yeah, boyfriends, friends, whatever. Um, so I, 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 I think my... Um, relationship with drama started early (laughs) so that also allowed me to kind of yeah go through like 
a lot of the things really early as well. Yeah. And in terms of managing emotions in mm-hmm. general, like, I'm very curious personally, like, do you have like a guide in your head, most especially when the drama is there, like in front of you and there's an argument happening? Like, is there a framework in your head that says, okay, chill, calm, this is what I should do? To tell myself or to tell other people? To tell yourself so that you can manage your emotions better. Mm. I think telling myself um, definitely starts with, yeah, identifying the trigger or the source of why my emotions started to feel that way. And then understanding why I reacted that way. And then then it continues into um, accepting that I am that way and also figuring out, okay, how can I um, really get to the bottom of it so that um, it doesn't happen again in the future? Because a lot of the times your triggers are just a surface um, sign of something a lot deeper. And to give you an example, I mean... You know, it's, it's um, for example, at home when Alessio doesn't clean up at home. Like, yes, I'm annoyed with the not cleaning up, but what does the not cleaning up actually represent? Am I annoyed because I, you know, like a tidy environment? Or am I annoyed because I also feel like he's not considerate of me? Or am I annoyed because I feel like um, at home, that's how we showed our love, you know? So... So there's a lot of yeah. like things you can trace back to how you were raised and how um, how it affects you, um, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of what I do with everything. So <laughs> even though it's like super shallow stuff, like yeah, not cleaning, um, there is usually really a deeper meaning to everything. Why your triggers are that way, and um, yeah, I read this amazing book like. Um, they they gave like four different examples of how you can trace your triggers back. Um, okay. I don't remember the book. I think it was like Henry. Sorry, that's not helpful. <laughs> but but I, we can I can Google it and then link it later. Um, triggers and Henry. That's all we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that that really also helps me identify kind of like how to react and. Um, how to process my emotions, um, and then with then then that goes into how I tell other people as well. Because if I can rationalize it for myself in a way that makes sense, um, then I can communicate that easily too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Usually, because usually, yeah, it the the things you're annoyed with are triggering an insecurity. It's always like an insecurity, um, like you're late. You know, you do, you're not annoyed with the tardiness. Um, you're annoyed with how it made you feel. So it's mm-hmm. it's always like, um, yeah, an insecurity that you have that is being triggered. I feel like you're talking about me. Yes, I am annoyed with tardy people. No, I mean, I, I also don't like tardy people. I'm, I'm just like giving an example. This is, this is how we, this is how Roxy analyzes, psychoanalyzes my 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 personality and my behavior <laughs> but yeah that's no true pressure. like it's, it's always about the why right you mm-hmm. if if anybody knows roxy she always asks why or 
always asks period like, <laughs> um, like if I if some if something happened she'll be like why did that happen what do you think happened like it's always Roxy asking why 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 and mm-hmm. until you go deeper into your soul and then she realize and then you realize for yourself that you're just a shit person um, <laughs> that's me <laughs> I hope I don't um, make you feel like shit all the time no 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 um, I, I'm not that kind of person, it's okay. But what mm-hmm. I think compared to a lot of people though, like you have to agree, we are more logical people. Mm-hmm. I think like we kind of think about things a lot and rationalize things. Mm-hmm. But I know also a lot of people or there is a lot of people who are more emotional. Yeah, yeah. Um, besides. So how... How? What advice would you give these people in terms of mm. managing their emotions, most especially when it's already overpowering their logic? Mm-hmm. I mean, trust me, I was also very emotional before. You know, like yeah, I, I would <laughs> no, also I immediately, I would also immediately react to to things or just um, cry out of the blue or not out of the blue, but but. Um, immediately so i think um in terms of um, being able to process it if you are emotional and have the tendency to get emotional um detachment from the situation does wonders whether it's like taking a walk or distance uh, physically distancing yourself from the location that you know had the yeah the traumatic experience so let's say if you're at home and you're fighting, like it's a good it's a good um, practice as well to take a walk outside. Then you're kind of on neutral ground. You're walking side by side, and and you're you're not in the space that was you know tense. So yeah. um, whether it's physical detachment or just like literally taking some space for yourself to also yeah um, think, which is what I do a lot. Like I I really. Um, at, at the very beginning, Alessio used to call it my five levels of thinking. So <laughs> I, I would like, share this framework. <laughs> no, I, I would like I would like really stay silent for an hour to two hours because I want to properly process um, how I felt and communicate that to him. You know, and it it was important for me to um, respect that I needed that time too. And he didn't, he never like rushed me into saying like, you know, tell me now, you know, it was always like, okay, five levels. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and I would just like, if you like, yes, yes, five levels or not even respond, but um, yeah, being able to detach yourself is, I think a really great way. Yeah. That's a really good advice. I think, I think there's just, sometimes it's also hard to um, to react to things. Mm-hmm. So I think being silent is also a great way, not silent treatment. Let me just also correct that. It's more of like being silent and having yourself in your own thoughts and be like, okay, let me figure this shit out by myself first. And then that's when I react to things. Yeah, I think silent treatment is not healthy at all. I, at all. I would, I mean, I think... When I would become silent, Alessio already knew that that was kind of my way of processing okay. things. So it was never like a shock, you know. So 
Um, probably if you already know that you have the tendency to do that, it's good to communicate it. Like not in the middle of an argument, but probably literally <laughs> before um, that, you know, that that's how you deal with things. And yeah. yeah, because if you do it the silent treatment, then it's also like a bit disrespectful, I feel. Um, For sure. Yeah. Most especially, I think, with your partner, right? Like you, because silent treatment is so disrespectful and you're like ignoring your loved one. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about communicating like, yeah, I need to take a chill pill. Um, I'll, I'll, I need some few moments or something. Yeah. Um, like you don't want to build. Um, I mean, when you're arguing, you already kind of have a wall in between you. You don't want to strengthen it by cementing the bricks, you know. <laughs> you you want to try and work um, to get those bricks down. like. So Yeah, exactly. Damn that metaphor. <laughs> I know. I just came up okay. with it. But now I need to know the levels, Roxy. Now I'm curious. Like personally, what I know, no, 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 no. It doesn't describe any specific like steps. It's more like just because I'm in my own thoughts. Um, yeah. So he just calls it five levels because you know I'm not on level one. I'm not on level two, but I'm thinking, <laughs> thinking, thinking. So it's level five. <laughs> level five thinking. Yeah, actually, uh, did it did it help? your logical way of thinking that you're married to Alessio in general? Like, did being with him kind of also train your brain to think in a more logical way, more rational way in general? Um, no, I wouldn't say so because when we got... I mean, okay, I'm, that sounds like he didn't contribute anything whatsoever. <laughs> but, but I mean more that... Um, I, I would say that before I got into a relationship with him... I already had a lot of a lot more security than I used to in my previous relationships. So I remember like one moment that always comes back to me is that I remember telling my ex-boyfriend like why don't you post about our relationship on Facebook? Like why don't why aren't you proud of like, you know, us and stuff? And yeah, I mean, now looking back I'm like what the fuck why did that even matter, you know? And and there is there was an entire discussion around that as well. Um, but now, I mean, on Facebook, I'm literally still single. So it just, it just goes to show that I, um, yeah, don't really care about those things anymore. And it becomes just a lot easier when you um, are more secure with yourself. So I think by the time we got together, I already reached, a stage in my life wherein I didn't need so much validation from him necessarily, wherein I knew what was important to me, what wasn't. Um, and I could delineate as well, okay, um, these are my flaws or flaws. These are my like issues. These are your issues or tendencies or personalities or whatever you call it. And um, now that I have all the facts, when something happens, you know, it's easier for me to also um decide okay this is why this happened because this this and that yeah yeah that's that's so logical (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) yeah because i think you know like we also still try to learn and Mm -hmm. if a person is open to learning 
um, on how to manage emotions, to self-reflect. Like sometimes people around us can help, right? So that's why I was curious if Alessio helped you in any way mm -hmm. in kind of being you right yeah. now. The reason why I say no is because I remember at the very beginning, um, one of my biggest love languages is words of affirmation. And I think I've told you the story many times before. Like he did not have words to say. You know, like if you'd look at our conversations, my messages were like 10 million words. And then he would reply, I don't know, one sentence or something. Or, you know, things like, yeah, when I would tell him, I miss you, he'd be like, I have to go to work now or something. So I never really got the, the initial, like initially, like when you were first dating, I never got that, that kind of response. And I think if I were in a stage of my life that I needed um, validation still through what is important to me, then I would have also reacted a bit differently. But because, like I said, I... I already knew kind of like, okay, that's not him. And mm -hmm. either I, I deal with it or, you know, I move on that's and cool. not date him yeah. anymore. So, yeah, it, it just became a lot easier to um, <sighs> be able to handle those things that I generally wasn't uh, okay with. But, yeah, yeah. But of course, like being with him, he's taught me a lot of other things. He's, he's also very rational. As you know, he's also very calm in general. He also never, never, ever invalidates how I feel, even though I might think that it's irrational, um, mm -hmm. which I think is so important. Like if you have a part, even if you have the most, or even if you're confident in your own rationale, if the other person says, like, that's overreacting, you're overreacting, you know, then of course you're going to doubt yourself. But um, yeah. he never took it that way. He was always like, trying to understand um yeah so yeah if someone ever invalidates you run joke <laughs> no not the man run no do okay figure it out figure it out i would say run for sure <laughs> but you know like you know that's also something that i find difficult personally like you mm. accepting that unless you wouldn't re reciprocate those kinds of messages, right? But even though, you know, deep inside, you know it, you know that Alessio loves you, but mm -hmm. sometimes he just didn't express it the way you wanted. Yeah. And I also have those kinds of moments that parang, I know he loves me, but I wish he also said it better. Yeah. Like, is this something that should be communicated or more of act, just accept? Um. I think we also talked about it. I communicated it as well, but it was never like in a way that, you know, um, I think I, sh I should never demand that from him. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like it was always in a, I find it funny kind of way. And I genuinely did, you know, I never, I, I also didn't like demand it from him. Um, because when it becomes a demand, of the other person that's where i think that it gets a little bit tricky because um then you're kind of like yeah trying to get something out of the relationship versus like accepting the person for who they are and i think um i i like if you're looking for the long lasting like tip for a good um healthy relationship it's 
like just trying to constantly accept the other person versus like asking for more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Tip from uh, Dr. Biribiki again, right here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With that said, um, I would be curious, actually. I know you like reading um, and Mm -hmm. listening to podcasts, on on, most especially on about growth and learning. So Mm -hmm. what books or podcasts have literally made an impact in your your life and how? Mm, If I had to choose... Two, you didn't give me a number, but I'm I know, myself. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you free reign. <laughs> um, the first one would definitely be Happier Now by Natalie Kogan. I think I told you about it, but I was on a plane to Barcelona to, not Madrid, uh, not Barcelona, Madrid to meet you. And then I literally just cried and broke down in the plane after reading this book because um, it was a lot of, just me realizing how much I was chasing, um, you know, happiness and how much I was chasing that feeling of excitement. Um, Kind of like I was always looking for the next country to travel to or the next like experience I could learn. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still like that. But at the same time, um, it was all I was kind of like aiming for. So that book, kind of helped me see that, um, you know, you, you people expect like happiness to feel like the top of a mountain. You reach the peak and you're finally like able to climb the difficulties and yeah, you're finally there. But in reality, life doesn't work that way. Um, you know, happiness is always going to be a wave, no matter what. There's always going to be ups and downs. So happiness is not about reaching the top, but more like accepting that, you'll have really bad moments and you can, you know, embrace the fact that those bad moments will happen to you and that there are also joys and there are also small moments. And I just read something yesterday um, that we spend our life chasing, yeah, those exciting, impacting moments. But the moment that we um, are faced with a traumatic experience, like someone dies or someone Um, isn't in our lives anymore the things that we always miss about them are never like you know the most exciting things it's always like oh um, I miss I miss seeing him every day in the at the breakfast table you know eating muesli or whatever so it's you never like um, yeah it's always like those small things that you miss and if you spend your time chasing all this like all the peaks of the mountains, then you also miss out on kind of like the the normal, ordinary, but meaningful moments also. So that was one book. <laughs> I was about to say, thanks Roxy for summarizing the book. No one has to read it anymore. I know. <laughs> but that's good. I like it. <laughs> and then the second book, as you know, that I've recommended to all my friends is like, Think Like a Monk, because... Um, yeah, I really, I just really like the way Jay, close kana. Close I like the way Jay um, described his mentality on how to um, get to know yourself. Um, I think it was at the point in my life also where I started to feel that, um, yeah, I had a lot of 
um, self-limiting beliefs and self-doubts, especially when I was starting or planning to go full-time with, with near the business. Like it was, um, that's also when all your insecurities come out. <laughs> you know, the, the, like, am I going to be good enough? Um, am I going to be successful enough? Like, am I, I can't even, you know, sustain myself, like things like that. So um, that book really helped me identify kind of like what, what are the external influences um, of society on me? What, you know, because me, me asking myself, like, am I going to be good enough? is always like, are other people going to think I'm good enough? It's never yeah. like, am I actually good yeah. enough? Um, so, you know, that, that yeah, it, it kind of gives a lot of steps on how to kind of um, unlock that um, process or let's say remove the eggshells and you, you can like just have you as the egg yolk. It's, it's such a bad metaphor. Inside the egg. <laughs> Looking, um, you know, that, that you, you're, you're taking away the eggshells of, and the influences of society and discovering your own yeah. egg inside. Such a bad metaphor, but you know what I mean. I get it. I get it. But yes, Roxy has talked about these books, uh, these two books a lot. And I've read Happier now, actually. It was really good. I like the exercises too. Um, yeah, I like yeah. books that are practical. I was about to say, like you like books that there's an actionable item. Yeah, um, actionable things to do. Yeah, the Henry Trigger book, the one that I spoke about <laughs> earlier, um, also has these actionable items to kind of identify your patterns and relationships that you got from your parents. So that ah. that I found super super interesting because, like I said, a lot of your um the things that you fight about or get annoyed with is related to an insecurity that had something to do with how you were raised so he yeah. kind of yeah henry trigger book <laughs> can you please stop promoting it if you don't know the book <laughs> find it please um, um but i think that's really interesting i really believe we get so many things from our parents and i've mm -hmm. also analyzed so many of those yeah um, of my so many of my behavior came from them 100 percent. yeah it isn't just them i think it's also like how they made you feel um and mm -hmm. also like how they are to each other yeah because you um, see it right or you see it you see it every day for the last years and stuff ah you mean you growing up yeah and yeah, then, yeah and i also started i also read that um or recently read somewhere that you are most moldable from ages zero to six in terms moldable. of moldable moldable okay from ages zero to six in terms of your um attachment style and and like personality so for i mean and i don't remember shit from ages zero to six so <laughs> there's so much subconscious that you haven't even been able to like process and yeah that's just really interesting to me. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. Nobody remembers zero to six, honestly. I mean, we started yeah. going to school at that time. But yeah, that's but, really interesting. But, but this book had a lot of studies that proved, um, yeah, that experiences from zero to six can still trigger you to this day without you even realizing that it's a trigger. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, 
I, 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 yeah, it's, it's, um, it's another book that I don't know the name of. Like, joke lang. I know it naman. It's, it's, it's Oprah's recent book, actually. Um, it's called, oh. yeah, she just released one last week called, um, What Happened to You? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, I'm this person right now and they're like, what the fuck happened to you? It's just like. Okay. Well, first of all, that's not how it's meant. Sorry. <laughs> no, her point was more like when we see people who are, you know, let's say going out of our expectations, like we see a weirdo on the street, for example. <laughs> let's say it that way. Like we tend to ask, like, what's wrong with that person? Mm. And she was saying that um, it's important to not ask, like, what's wrong with you or what's wrong with me? But what happened to me? So kind of like taking an objective mm. stance on um, how you were molded by your experiences. And yeah. Wow. That's really cool. We can have like um, Roxy's recommend- book recommendations Yeah. yeah. to understanding yourself better. Yeah. Yes. Henry, Henry Trigger. <laughs> Please find that. Um, Okay, thank you so much, Roxy, for sharing easy-to-follow techniques to manage our emotions and to, you know, help us to constantly reflect. I am so thankful to have you in my life because there's someone who analyzes my behavior every day. (laughs) Thank you also, everyone, for listening and see you next Friday. Hey there, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen. If you made it this far, you probably enjoyed it. So we hope you can click the subscribe button on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen and leave a rating and review right now. Yes, right now. Doing this helps us reach more people and help them unlearn their limiting beliefs. Make sure you also tag us at Unlearning With Us on social media so that we can see your feelings validate you even though you don't need some validation and pat you on the back for chasing that self-growth thanks guys